It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. What do we have on tap? Well, only way to find that out, you have to tune in. You have to grab your ticket, get on board, put your seatbelt on. Most importantly, enjoy the ride. That's right. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and your conductor, Anthony Smith. And we are getting ready to get this train on the track. So let's get rolling. train sports talk podcast with your host and conductor anthony smith grab your tickets get on board and enjoy the ride it's the a train sports talk podcast all aboard turned the NCAA on its ear hole. Both those statements are true. It depends on your perspective. If you're like Dabo Sweeney, you decry what has happened to the sanctity of the game. If you're John Ruiz Sr., you can't dive into the deep end of the pool fast enough. The 44-year-old billionaire who realized early on what NIL could mean for his alma mater, the University of Miami, Ruiz arranged things so approximately 17 hurricanes go into this season, making a combined $550,000 promoting Ruiz businesses on social media. Consider that Kansas State basketball guard Nigel Pack transferred to Miami in April and, thanks to Ruiz, signed a two-year $800,000 NIL deal that included a car. All of it is allowed, and until someone tells Ruiz and his peers no, it will be the norm. There are some businesses doing NIL deals because it will help them with their marketing, said Midwinter, a 
Kansas City, Missouri-based attorney whose firm does college athletics representation. John Ruiz, I don't think he cares one iota if there's any return on investment on that at all. He's looking at how can I get players to the school. But it's impossible to draw such lines and until and unless Congress intervenes or college administrators begin collectively bargaining with athletes, that's a whole different discussion. That's the way it's going to be. Do you care? That's another different discussion. For every Sweeney out there, there are dozens of coaches who have adapted to NIL. USC and Coach Lincoln Riley established a beachhead a beachhead by the Pacific by grabbing more than a dozen transfers. One of them, Oklahoma quarterback Caleb Williams, who has NIL deals with Beats by Dre, and a real estate private equity fund. Ole Miss coach Lane Kiffin declared himself the portal king. A Knoxville-based sports marketing firm is representing an athlete who signed a reported who signed a reported a contract with a California lawyer that could pay him eight million. I believe NIL opportunities are just doing to keep going up for sure without a doubt. That lawyer, Michael Caspino, told 24-7 Sports, there will be deals and there will be larger deals than this. We're still in our infancy here. We haven't reached adolescence yet in our NIL, in our NIL lifetime. So how do we get here? First, over the years, NCAA blocked athletes the rights to even minimal compensation for use of their name, image, and likeness. You know, our basic rights to capitalize off who we are, who has become an easily monetized commodity with the advent of social media. States stepped into the breach by adapting their own NIL laws. Thirdly, the Austin Supreme Court decision in June 2021 basically stripped the NCAA of its amateur foundation. On July 1st, 2021, having lost all legal leverage, the NCAA had no choice but to open that compensational gates, issuing minimal interim NIL rules. Those rules define NIL as compensation for services rendered beyond the usual NCAA limits of room, board, books, tuition, and cost of attendance. What was once a black market of under-the-table inducements are now public, and coaches making monster contracts who didn't respond positively toward the change suddenly became accountable to their fan base for not keeping up. If you're not doing it, it's so easy to get left behind, said former West Virginia AD Oliver Luck, who started Country Roads Trust for Mountaineers athletes, along with Arizona Diamondbacks owner Ken Kendrick. It's a good day to be a college athlete, I'll tell you that. These so-called collectives are defined as third parties who develop NIL opportunities for athletes. Some call it fancy money laundering, since the school can't offer a dime, but a group of boosters can now have a heavy hand at assembling a roster. These donors aren't sophisticated enough to go to the athletes directly, said Blake Lawrence, CEO of 
open doors and industry leader in creating NIL opportunities. So they pool their money. Example, Texas was bad on, on the offensive line last year. The solution, the Clark Field Collective was established in the off season. It is paying Longhorns offensive linemen fifty thousand each, basically just for being Texas offensive linemen. In return, the athletes have to do something to get by paper thin NCAA rules. At Florida, fans investing in the Gator Collective can get players to visit them on their birthday. Some consider scholarship limits to be guardrails. Nick Saban isn't going to take the ten best quarterbacks because it would ruin his roster. Yet, at the same time, NIL may help players stay in school. Since someone like Kentucky basketball All-American Oscar Tishbo can earn millions next season, which could be more lucrative than being a late draft pick. And then, fold NIL in which transfer portal. Two game changers go hand in hand because NIL riches can lure transfers. In the end, coaches are worried about roster management. Again, will it matter when it comes down to the actual game? It didn't when Michigan fans stormed the field after beating Ohio State for the first time in a decade. It didn't during Georgia's epic run to its first title in 41 years. For years, the NCAA argued that if players were compensated, TV ratings would slip, attendance would slide, and interest would wane. But coming out of COVID-19, fans couldn't get enough of the stuff that makes the game so attractive in the first place. Live sports continue to be the top TV ratings winner because it is the ultimate reality television. NIL and the portal are merely bit players in a larger, more dramatic recurring miniseries. The portal and one-time transfer rule without sitting out has caused consternation, but for decades, football coaches and basketball, hockey and baseball blocked athletes from transferring while other students, including athletes in the, in other NCAA sports, had no such restrictions. That was a lawsuit waiting to happen. It's too bad the NCAA didn't control the narrative, said Pat Kilkenny, an influential Oregon alumnus and former AD. The smarmy nature of what's going on. These kids are in power. It's taking away the charm of the business. But the one-sided nature became unattainable, if not immoral. Athletes received a scholarship and a pat on the back, while coaches earned millions and athletic departments employees enjoyed long, relatively lucrative careers, complete with benefits. In the meantime, this looks like just one phase of the continuum, sort of the Wild West phase, but one that will eventually become more clearly defined and the alienated, if not regulated, like in the real world, NIL compensation will find its place. So there is a look at how the landscape of college football, basketball, college sports has changed with NIL, and you heard a little bit of transfer portal going on there as well, too. 
So I'm just curious to know, what do you think about the NIL? Will NIL ruin college sports as we know it? Is it really stripping away amateurism from college sports as we know it? Is it becoming a minor league of football for the NFL and for the NBA as well? It remains to be seen. Is this transfer portal really the one that's killing the sport? I think more so it has no adverse effect on basketball than it does in football because you have so many on your roster in football. Whereas in basketball, if you have a roster with 15 on your team and seven players decide, hey, I'm hit the transfer portal, well, there's an overhaul right there. So I think the transfer portal has more of an effect on college basketball than it does football. But that's another argument within itself as well, too. So, tell you what I am going to do. I am going to look at some games of interest. Some of the top games that you might want to pay attention to in this upcoming year as we get you ready for the college football season. So here are the top 12 conference games. October the 8th, Texas A&M at Alabama. Considering that the Aggies ruined Bama's otherwise perfect regular season last year, and all the talk about how Jimbo is catching up to saving and recruiting, this is very big. Oh, and it's an important game in the SEC West, too. How about November 2nd? How about November 26th, Michigan at Ohio State? The Wolverines, with the help of five touchdowns from Hassan Haskins last season, subdued the Buckeyes for the first time since 2011 and launched themselves into the CFP. Whether that signaled a return to more equal footing in the series, we'll find out in the horseshoe. Third game of interest. November 19th, Miami at Clemson. The NIL war chest that's accumulating in Miami, which doesn't include the $100 million spent on Mario Cristobal, $80 million for the coach, nearly $20 million on buying out the coach's coaching contact at Miami and Oregon, is geared toward the initial, initial goal of overtaking Clemson game on. October the 8th, Texas versus Oklahoma. The game will be played in Dallas. And, of course, you know, because of the sensitivity of the culture in which we live in, I'm going to go out and call it what it used to be called, the Red River Shootout. That's right. I said that. The Red River Shootout. Red River Rivalry, whatever you want to call it. I grew up hearing it called the Red River Shootout. So that's what I'm going to call it. Heading into last year's Texas State Fair, the Longhorns were 4-1 and in the top 25. But too much cotton candy soured into an unfathomable six-game losing streak. OU's defensive holes emerged in the 55-48 victory. But the real nightmare didn't come until the offseason. October 15th, USC at Utah. The Utes won 
in the Coliseum for the first time last season and now roll out the unwelcome mat to the Pac-12's shiny new object. The Musk will be eager to say hi to Lincoln Riley in this pivotal South Division showdown. November 19th, Oklahoma State at Oklahoma. This is when the Cowboys make the statement, we're taking over this state or not. October 8th, Ohio State at Michigan State. We're going to go ahead and say this will be a just a wee bit closer than last year's anticipated top 10 matchup when the Buckeyes came a point short of a half a hundred by halftime and cruised 56-7. November the 8th, November the 5th, Alabama at LSU. The LSU brain thrust brought in or brought in Brian Kelly with the Nate with the notion of being very patient and giving him plenty of time to get his SEC bearings and build the program back up to national championship standard in a reasonable, gradual way, right up until kickoff on November the 5th. November 26th, Auburn at Alabama. It's the Iron Bowl. Not a sexy Iron Bowl, bowl but still the Iron Bowl. November the 26th, LSU at Texas A&M. Jimbo and Brie Guy are ready to arm wrestle to see who will emerge as the truest contender to Alabama, whether we're talking this year or after Nick Saban retires. The Aggies have won only two of the 10 meetings since they joined the conference. October 29th, Georgia versus Florida in Jacksonville. This is the traditional matchup we love and crave. But while the Gators are resetting, the tougher game for the Dogs could come three weeks later at Kentucky on November 19th. When I come back, we will look at the top 12 non-conference games of interest. So, with that being said, don't you go nowhere. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. We're still building up ahead of steam on this train. Hope you are enjoying the ride. This is your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. I will be back with you shortly, so don't you go nowhere. Just not building up some steam. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. It's time for us all to grow together. So, if you would like to have your ad ran on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast, simply reach out to me at a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com or at 316-553-2010. Or, if you would like to sponsor a segment, you can also reach me at a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com 
or 316-553-2010. So let's grow together. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Grab your tickets, get on board, and enjoy the ride. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. All aboard! Back to the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. You know what this is. Your favorite host, your favorite conductor of the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. That's right, yours truly. It is Anthony Smith. Hope you're enjoying yourself wherever you may be listening to this podcast. Hope you're enjoying listening to it as much as I'm enjoying bringing it to you because my goal and my aim is to have fun while you are taking in this journey. So we're talking college football and in that last segment, I was talking about NIL and the transfer portal, and I gave my little commentary how I think it has more of an adverse effect on college basketball as opposed to college football because you have more on your roster in college football, especially if you're at one of the Power Five conferences, one of the top five schools at least. Your uh, depth chart is astronomical to where even if you're down a player, you can plug a player in adding more to the meaning of next man up. Whereas in college basketball, when you look at mass exodus, uh, like for instance, I'm here in Wichita, Kansas, and we've seen mass exodus within the Wichita State basketball program where you have to literally replace seven or eight players. So that could be more taxing on the basketball end than it is the football end because you have more chemistry issues you have to deal with. Uh, it's just, To me, it's just a big mess. and you know, if I'm a basketball coach, I'm probably talking to a baseball coach at that university because baseball coaches at colleges, they have to deal more with a high rate of turnover, probably more than any other sport within the university. Well, now maybe say for basketball. But now that depends on how NIL and the transfer portal play hand-in-hand hand together. you got some good NIL deals in place, you may be able to save your roster. But now, as I get ready to get back into this segment of college football, and when I left you in the last segment, I was looking at the top 12 conference games to look at. Now, what I am going to do is I am going to give you the top 12 non-conference games that may be of interest. So, looking at September the 10th, Alabama at Texas. 
Longhorns are getting into the exclusive fraternity, but this feels like Players Week honors. True. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But they might get killed, which would crimp their sales pitch that they're ready to spar with the big boys. Of course, we saw what happened to Texas last year in their indoctrination of playing an SEC school a la Arkansas. Yes, nobody saw that one coming. But the Razorbacks put a beating on Texas. So now let me ask, Texas, are you ready to get slapped around at this time by Alabama? Yeah, that's what's going to happen. Alabama is going to lay the down on Texas. So, if you couldn't handle Arkansas last year, I think you're in over your head going up against Alabama. Next, September 3rd, Notre Dame at Ohio State. The first big game for the Irish under Marcus Freeman as the Buckeyes try to launch a title run and C.J. Stroud's Heisman trophy run at the same time. September the 3rd, Georgia versus Oregon in Atlanta. Hey, Coach Lanning, remember us? We're here to remind you exactly what you're trying to build out there in Nike land. But ask Ohio State. The Ducks won't wilt. November 5th, Clemson at Notre Dame. These teams played twice in 2020. A dramatic 47-40 Irish win over top-ranked Clemson in November, followed by a CFP semifinal when the Tigers laid it on them 34-10. September the 17th, Miami at Texas A&M. Two highly-ranked teams on the field who are shooting for the top of the NIL hit parade off the field. This is only the fourth time they have squared off with the U sweeping a home and home in 2007 and 2008. September the 3rd, Utah at Florida. The defending Pac-12 champion goes across the country to take on perhaps a middling SEC team for this season. And even after their fantastic 48-45 Rose Bowl tussle with Ohio State, it feels like it's going to take the Utes some serious doing to get the victory. November 26th, Notre Dame at USC. It's a new chapter of college football tradition. First-year coaches Marcus Freeman and Lincoln Riley match wits in what both sides hope becomes a top 10 or better annual date. September 3rd, Cincinnati at Arkansas. I still cringe when I see that because I'm in the state of Kansas. We say Arkansas. Anyway, Cincinnati at Arkansas. The Bearcats spent three seasons building, building, building to what they had in 2021. And the Hogs will offer an indication of whether that's history or current events. November 9th, Notre Dame versus BYU. Las Vegas. This is the 11th edition of Notre Dame's Home Away From Home Shamrock series of games played around the country since 2009. Eighth different stadium. And the Fighting Irish have yet to lose. In Las Vegas, 
This is going to be a pricey ticket. September the 17th, Oklahoma at Nebraska. The downtrodden Cornhuskers came close in a great game last year, 23-16, in their first meeting in the decade. Yet now it's the Sooners on the edge of the new tough conference crevice that Nebraska tumbled into. Beating NU would help keep that grim reaper away from the door. September the 17th, BYU at Oregon. After beating five Pac-12 teams last season, including Utah and USC, the Cougars faced the league's standard bearer in its ongoing efforts to exact a little more revenge for the conference looking down its nose. Also note, Baylor at BYU, September the 10th, Arkansas at BYU, October the 15th, and BYU at Boise State, November the 5th. And how about this? December the 10th, Army versus Navy, Philadelphia, always. So there you have some games of interest that you might want to take in. What I want to look at now Very plain and simple is FCS versus Power Five 2021. In 2021, football bowl subdivision programs played a record 117 games against football championship subdivision teams. Just part of a trend since 12 regular season games became in vogue 15 years ago. Of those 117 games, 12 FCS victories marked the most in the past eight years, with one in nine lower division teams knocking off their big brothers who were nice enough to give them a chance for a payday. It's almost interesting, of course, when FCS schools upset teams from Power 5 conferences, and it happens every year. In 2021, it happened four times. That's more than the past four years combined. In the case of Washington, the season opener started the not-so-long-ago road to Jimmy Lake being forced to accept a $10 million buyout. See Dennis Dodd's dead money feature. But at Vanderbilt, Florida State, and Arizona, the coach was in just his first season at the school. So even Hard-bitten alums are hard-pressed to force a coaching change. Montana at Washington, 13-7. East Tennessee State at Vanderbilt, 23-3. Jacksonville State at Florida State, 20-17. Northern Arizona at Arizona, 21-19. Stay tuned. There is bound to be more added to this list, to the list this season. But did you get that Jacksonville State at Florida State? Yeah, remember that? It was like a runoff. FCS versus Power 5 2022. Whether you consider it to be an automatic win, it usually isn't, or a generous payday, it usually isn't that either, considering the cash these games generate for the Power 5 teams, too. 
Most Power 5 teams are scheduling one of these almost every season nowadays. This season, there are 54 games scheduled between the FCS and Power 5 conference schools. Here's how teams from Power 5 conferences are risking the embarrassment that befell Washington in 2021. The ACC, 13 of the 14 teams, every ACC team had one FCS game on the scholarship until James Madison accelerated his move into the FBS, leaving Louisville holding an empty FCS bag. Big 10, 9 of the 14 teams. No doubt some of those not partaking, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State, are looking at the strength of schedule component with long-range hopes of reaching college football playoff. We can't speak for Maryland's reason to not schedule an FCS team. Big 12, eight of the 10 teams, everybody except Oklahoma and Texas. Notre Dame, Fighting Irish have never played an FCS program, but have scheduled Tennessee State in 2023. Pac-12, 10 of the 12 teams with only USC and Colorado declining to dip their toe into this creek. The bonnet men of Troy have emerged as the only team to never, ever stoop so low as to schedule an FCS program as Lincoln Riley tries to work his way into position for the CFP. That might change. SEC, 14 teams. Everybody in the pool, per usual. Top 10 FCS chances versus Power 5. Tennessee Tech at Kansas, September the 2nd. Richmond at Virginia, September the 3rd. Idaho at Washington State, September the 3rd. Portland State at Washington, September the 10th. North Dakota State at Arizona, September the 17th. Montana State at Oregon State, September 17th. Southern Illinois at Northwestern, September the 17th. Chattanooga at Illinois, September 22nd. Maine at Boston College, September the 24th. And East Tennessee State University at Mississippi State, November the 19th. So there you have a look at some games of interest in your top 12 non-conference and also look at FCS versus FBS and what you can almost expect from that as well. Well, it is pretty much time for me to take another break. But when I come back, I'm going to once again dip in to the resurgence of HBCU and how far does it go right we're going to talk a little bit of hbcu when we come back so don't you dare go nowhere it is the a train sports talk podcast still building up a head of steam with your favorite host and conductor on the number one podcast in all the state of kansas anthony smith
this is Tracy, host of the Moonstar Podcast, and you are listening to A-Train. Buckle up, baby, and enjoy the ride. Woo! My final segment, so we get ready to come down the stretch run of the track. We're going to look at some HBCU. Because anymore nowadays, you can't talk college football without talking HBCU. That's right. There's a resurgence going on in HBCU football. And Surprisingly, you will find that it goes well beyond prime time. Commercials, talk show appearances, a documentary, and the spring game on ESPN. Since becoming head coach at Jackson State in 2020, Deion Sanders has commanded the spotlight in a way reminiscent of his flamboyant NFL career. So it is no surprise that roughly 2.6 million tuned into the celebration bowl, the December matchup between champions of the MIAC and SWAC, a record for the game. The real surprise came when long-tenured coach Oliver Buddy Pugh's South Carolina State Bulldogs stole the show in a 31-10 romp of Sanders' Jackson State Tigers. The week of the celebration bowl, we had a press conference beforehand. And they had all the media hype. All the cameras were pointed at them, said Bulldogs linebacker DJ Davis. We took it as motivation, and it fueled us. It was not necessarily a thought we might have a chance. We were double-digit underdogs, Pew said. Our guys were really attentive to their task because they thought they had such an uphill battle. We saw so many great things they were doing on film. The Celebration Bowl instead became the platform for Bulldogs like Davis, Corey Fields Jr., and FCS tackles for loss leader Jablonski Green to be exposed to 2.6 million viewers. It also secured Pew's third black national championship, an honor dating back more than a decade. Landing the coach in company with pioneers Fred T. Long and Lewis L. Watson. In addition, the bowl game route culminated a stretch in December that highlighted Pew's profound impact on the sport. Coming just days after Florida and Virginia hired former SCSU assistants Billy Napier and Tony Elliott. I have so much respect for Buddy, not only his experience at South Carolina, where Pew was an assistant from 1997 through 2001 with Brad Scott and Lou Holtz. But also, he was a legendary high school coach who ran a great program, Napier said. Influence from the Pew coaching tree reaching into the Power Five is just one of the many HBCU storylines unfolding below the fold of Sanders' headline-dominating presence. 
This is an era of resurgence, as Florida A&M coach Willie Simmons described it. With the attention that Coach Prime has brought to Jackson State, it's not only raised their profile, but the rest of ours as well, says Simmons. It's not just Jackson State people are looking at. It's HBCU football. Simmons' Rattlers played a prominent role in 2021. FAMU took Jackson State to the wire week one in a nationally televised matchup that ultimately determined the SWAC championship. And while the Tigers' 7-6 win denied the Rattlers a berth in the Celebration Bowl, FAMU became the first SWAC member to participate in the FCS playoffs since 1997. The program's collective success helped linebacker Isaiah Land to individual accolades as the winner of the Buck Buchanan Award, given to the best defensive player in FCS. Land is just the fourth HBCU representative to win the honor named for a Grambling legend. But reflective of a resurgence, Land was the second such honoree in a row. Jordan Lewis won for the 2020 season. Jackson State quarterback Shadur Sanders, meanwhile, was the winner of the 2021 Jerry Rice Award given to the top FCS freshman and named for another HBCU legend, Mississippi Valley State. Simmons sees growing national prominence on the gridiron translating to universities. FAMU quarterback Rashawn McKay embodies that idea. Under the radar as a recruit, McKay walked on with the Rattlers to attend a strong journalism program and to continue a family tradition. My older brother graduated from here. My grandmother graduated from here. My grandpa, almost everybody on my dad's side of the family, he said. After passing for 2,457 yards and 22 touchdowns, McKay leads the Rattlers into 2022 with a couple of high-profile dates from the jump. FAMU opens at North Carolina, then faces Jackson State the Sunday before Labor Day in the Orange Blossom Classic on ESPN. That one point would have been us getting rings and not getting rings, McKay said alluding to last year's 7-6 loss to Jackson State. I always want to play for a ring. I didn't get it last year, so I'm definitely getting it this year. It is a primetime showcase with Coach Prime and beyond for continuing the growing prominence of HBCU football. We hope that our football program is that thing that makes people in the Northeast, the Midwest, the West Coast say, let me see what FEMU is all about, Simmons said. And this season, the national exposure grows through matchups like Alabama State's historic visit to UCLA in Week 2 and Notre Dame's first ever game against an HBCU program in 2023 when the Irish faced Tennessee State. It makes students want to learn about our top-notch engineering school, agriculture school, communications, business program, Simmons said. And that's consistent across the board, not just for Jackson State and FAMU. So there is a look at the resurgence of HBCU going well beyond prime time.
And now to close things out, I'm going to take a look at the Heisman watch and tell me what you think of this list. An Alabama player has won the past two Heisman trophies and four of the past 13, which puts them a bit behind the Crimson Tide's national championship pace, slackers. Quarterback Bryce Young is back to chase Archie Griffin after emerging from a crowded pack to win comfortably last season after he sliced up Georgia's NFL fuel defense for 421 yards and three touchdowns in the SEC title game. Perhaps if he had done something close to as magical in the national championship game, he would be the favorite in 2022. But that honor goes to a guy who plays for a team farther north. So, number one, C.J. Stroud, quarterback, Ohio State. He finished fourth in the highest in voting after passing for 1,399 yards and 14 touchdowns. Just in the final three games against the prideful defenses of Michigan State, Michigan, and Utah. Number two, Bryce Young, QB, Alabama. Young tries to join a group of one who has two skipped arm trophies. Ohio State running back Archie Griffin, 1974-1975, still poses alone on that platform. Number three, Will Anderson, Jr., linebacker, Alabama. He should have been a finalist last season, but voters who favored a defensive candidate opted for Michigan's Aiden Hutchinson. Maybe Anderson will get some makeup calls. Number four, Caleb Williams, quarterback, USC takes his fascinating set of skills to La La Land. After his emergence in 2021, bumped last season's Heisman favorite, Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma to South Carolina. But John Robinson, running back, Texas. Love everything about the explosive runner, but his candidacy goes nowhere unless, check notes, the Longhorns go far beyond double their five-win total of 2021. DJ Ugalale, quarterback, Clemson. Let's pretend the 2021 season didn't happen. Let's all recognize that a quarterback on a potential playoff team is almost always going to be in the, dis- in the discussion. Unless perhaps your name is Stetson Bennett. Number seven, Jackson Smith Nigby, wide receiver, Ohio State. He'll try to pull a 2021 Devontae Smith and outshine his star quarterback to become a rare non-QB to win the award. Number eight, Travion Henderson, running back, Ohio State. Clearly, Buckeyes could split the vote, but, well, so could the Bama guys. That's a problem they're willing to deal with. Number nine, Tyler Van Dyke, quarterback, Miami. Last year's in-season replacement for De'Eric King, was a revelation leading the Canes to a 5-1 mark in the final six games as he threw for at least 300 yards in each of them. And number 10, Devin Leary, quarterback, NC State. He's well behind in the betting markets. Good value for you. But the Wolfpack has a chance to be special if he follows his 35-touchdown, 5-interception season with something just like that. And on that note, we are getting ready to bring this train into the station.
hope you have enjoyed your ride on the A Train Sports Talk podcast. As much as I've enjoyed being your conductor and your host, as you know, the football season is really getting closer and closer to being up on us, which means one thing only we'll be returning with. And I can be telling you this, but it's going to happen. We're going to have our segment back called the Battle of the Bands, which is basically going to be some HBCU band clips. And you, the listening public, get to make your vote on who you think is the best band. It will be part of the poll question. Also, return of the coaches corner. I will be getting in touch with some of these area high school coaches around here in the city of Wichita and getting them on my coaches corner show, which will be done probably most likely on Saturdays. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to bringing on some new sponsors as well, too. So a lot is on the horizon. So I hope once again you have enjoyed the ride on the train. This is your favorite host and conductor on the number one podcast in all the state of Kansas. Yours truly, Anthony Smith, bringing this train onto the tracks. Have a blessed day. Thank you.